Let's read together Judges chapter 1, verses 1 through 15. In this first half of Judges 1, we have the account of the tribe of Judah taking over the land that was allotted to them at the time of the conquest. Judges chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. Now after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall be first to go up for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Indeed, I have delivered the land into his hand. So Judah said to Simeon, his brother, Come up with me to my allotted territory, that we may fight against the Canaanites, and I will likewise go with you to your allotted territory. And Simeon went with him. Then Judah went up, and the Lord delivered the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hand, and they killed 10,000 men at Bezek. And they found Adonai Bezek in Bezek and fought against him, and they defeated the Canaanites and the Perizzites. Then Adonai Bezek fled, and they pursued him and caught him and cut off his thumbs and big toes. And Adonai Bezek said, Seventy kings with their thumbs and big toes cut off used to gather scraps under my table. As I have done, so God has repaid me. Then they brought him to Jerusalem, and there he died. Now the children of Judah fought against Jerusalem and took it. They struck it with the edge of the sword and set the city on fire. And afterward, the children of Judah went down to fight against the Canaanites who dwelt in the mountains, in the south, and in the lowland. Then Judah went against the Canaanites who dwelt in Hebron. Now the name of Hebron was formerly Kiriath Arba, and they killed Sheshai, Ahiman, and Talmai. From there they went against the inhabitants of Debir. The name of Debir was formerly Kiriath Sefer. Then Caleb said, Whoever attacks Kiriath Sefer and takes it to him, I will give my daughter Aksa as wife. And Othniel, the son of Kenez, Caleb's younger brother, took it. So he gave him his daughter Aksa as wife. Now it happened when she came to him that she urged him to ask her father for a field. And she dismounted from her donkey, and Caleb said to her, What do you wish? So she said to him, Give me a blessing. Since you have given me land in the south, give me also springs of water. And Caleb gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. Let's begin our study of the book of Judges with a few background notes, first of all. The book of Judges covers the history of the nation of Israel from the time of the conquest until the time of the kings. It covers a period of about 350 years. You will remember that after the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because of their unbelief. But then finally, under the leadership of Joshua, they crossed the Jordan River, conquered Jericho, and entered the land of promise. God had given them the land, but they still had to go in and conquer the enemy. This conquest of the land took place around 1400 B.C., and it is covered, as you know, in the book of Joshua. The conquest broke the backbone of the enemy's power, but it didn't eliminate the enemy completely. In the second half of the book of Joshua, we read that the land was divided up among the 12 tribes of Israel, and each tribe was then responsible to drive out the rest of the enemy that still existed in its territory. But here is where Israel failed. The various tribes did not drive out the rest of the enemy. 
And the book of Judges is the sad account of how Israel's enemies, both inside and outside the land, were able to control Israel rather than Israel control the enemy. So the time of the Judges is not a highlight in Israel's history. In fact, we refer to this time as the dark days of the Judges. There were some bright moments, however, during these dark days. In fact, several Judges make it into Hebrews 11, the great chapter on faith in the Bible. That leads us now to our doctrinal or teaching points. Doctrinal point number one. Godly beginnings do not guarantee godly endings. Godly beginnings do not guarantee godly endings. The time of the judges began in a godly way, but it didn't end up godly. It was downhill all the way. And I think we can see this fact when we compare the first and the last verses of the book of Judges. Look at verses 1 and 2 once again here in Judges 1. Now, after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall be first to go up for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? Now, that's a good way to start, isn't it? Asking the Lord for direction. So there was a godly beginning to the time of the Judges. But now let's read the last verse of the book. Judges chapter 21 and verse 25. In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That's a far cry from asking the Lord for guidance, isn't it? Everyone did that which was right in his own eyes. Godly beginnings do not guarantee godly endings. This was true in the time of the judges. It is true today. This country had godly beginnings. But look at our situation right now. Ungodliness characterizes much of our nation, from high government officials down to the person on the street. And godly beginnings do not guarantee godly endings in the church either. Think of the many churches that started out as Christ-centered evangelical powerhouses, but are now spiritually dead. You know, this doctrinal point should be a warning to all of us. I'm sure you know individuals that were once a godly part of this fellowship, but are now no longer walking with the Lord. Godly beginnings do not guarantee godly endings. And doctrinal point number two, godly individuals do not guarantee godly communities. Godly individuals do not guarantee godly communities. This also is the story of the judges. There were godly individuals in the land at the time of the judges, but the surrounding culture continued to go downhill. We read about two well-known godly individuals in these verses before us, Caleb in verse 12 and Othniel in verse 13. You will remember that Caleb, along with Joshua, was one of the faithful spies back in Numbers 13. Caleb was strong in faith in the midst of unbelief. Here in verse 20 of this chapter, we see that godly Caleb conquered the city of Hebron and expelled the enemy. We learn from Joshua chapter 14 that Caleb was 85 at this time, but he was still strong in faith and courage and ability 
How many here this morning are in their 80s? I see that hand. <laughs> well, Caleb is a godly model to follow. Great model for all of us to follow, whether we're in our 80s or not. The other godly individual we read about here is Othniel, who became Caleb's son-in-law. Othniel took up Caleb's challenge and drove the enemy out of Kiriath-sephir. And we know from Judges chapter 3 that Othniel became the first judge in Israel, and the Lord was with him. So in Caleb and Othniel, we have examples of godly individuals. The godly lives of Caleb and Othniel affected many, but the nation continued to slide downhill in an ungodly direction. You know, the same is true today. Godly individuals do not guarantee godly communities. So don't be discouraged if your own godly life and lifestyle doesn't seem to be stemming the tide of ungodliness around you. We still have the responsibility to shine as lights in this world, even though the world continues to turn a blind eye to the things of the Lord. And furthermore, your testimony is more effective than you really think it is, even though it may not be converting the whole community. It's amazing how effective your godly testimony can be, just like Caleb and Othniel and some of the other godly judges. Remember that godly individuals do not guarantee godly communities. Now, what about practical application? Practical application number one. Don't think your hardened, unbelieving neighbor doesn't know when God is speaking. Don't think your hardened, unbelieving neighbor doesn't know when God is speaking. By neighbor here, I mean all those unbelievers you have close contact with. Your boss, your colleague at work, your teacher or fellow student, your literal next-door neighbor. Many of them are quite hard-hearted unbelievers, right? Well, listen, they know when God is speaking, even though it may not appear that way. Look at the case of Adonai Bezek here in verses 5 through 7. Here is a hard-hearted unbeliever that cut off the thumbs and big toes of 70 kings. But now he is caught and the eye-for-an-eye law is applied to him. Now, the reason they cut off big toes and thumbs in those days was to make a man helpless when it came to military action. You don't have thumbs or big toes, you can't handle weapons, and you can't run. But now look at what this hardened unbeliever says in verse 7. And Adonai Bezek said, Seventy kings with their thumbs and big toes cut off used to gather scraps under my table, as I have done, so God has repaid me. Adonai Bezek realized that God was involved in his faith. You know the same is true today? Don't think your hardened, unbelieving neighbor doesn't know when God is speaking. It may be at the time of an accident or a loss of property, but they know. Many hardened unbelievers in the Caribbean and southeastern United States right now are open to hearing what God has to say in view of the recent hurricane. 
And some of them realize that God has been speaking. You know, we as Christians need to be aware of opportunities like this to speak for God in times of crisis. Don't think your hardened unbeliever neighbor doesn't know when God is speaking. Practical application number two. Don't be reluctant to ask God for specific blessings. Don't be reluctant to ask God for specific blessings. In verse 15, we see that Aksa asked her father, Caleb, for a specific blessing. Verse 15. So Aksa said to Caleb, give me a blessing. Since you have given me land in the south, give me also springs of water. And Caleb gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. Water was needed if the land was to be productive. Aksa received from her father the specific blessing she asked for. Now, do you see the spiritual lesson here? We can come to our Heavenly Father and ask Him for specific blessings. God loves to give us blessings that will make us more productive and fruitful in the land of spiritual blessing. I challenge you here this morning to ask God for some specific blessing that will make you more fruitful and productive in the land of blessing that God has given us. God loves to answer those kinds of prayers. Don't be reluctant to ask God for specific blessings.